Welcome back, everyone. You're listening to the Locked On Diamondbacks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. You're listening to Miller Thomas, host of this wonderful podcast, journalist here at the Cronkite School of Journalism. You can go check out all my latest work on my website, millerthomas24.myportfolio.com. On there, I got my packages to my articles, to my photos, and my graphic design. For the show today, we got a packed show, as always, for segment number one today. We are going to be talking about uh, Alex Young, starter for the Arizona Dimebacks, basically break down his 2019 MLB season and project ahead to 2020. Then for segment number two today, it's Theme Thursday, so I'm going to be answering all your guys' questions and topics that you guys sent to me via Twitter, Locked On Diamondbacks, or via email, Locked On Diamondbacks at gmail.com. So thank you guys for sending those in to me. And then at the end of segment number one, we're going to be doing another Fantasy Minute sponsored by Lee Kamish. I'll give you a hard 60 seconds on which D-backs player you should take or stay away from in your upcoming MLB draft. But as always, if your company is interested in reaching men between the ages of 18 and 44, your company should be sponsoring this podcast, Locked On Dimebacks, to listen to by 98% men and 80% between the ages of 18 to 44. So if you want men between 18 and 44, this is your spot. Plus, our rates are the most reasonable around. Email me at LockedOnDiamondbacks at gmail.com to find out more. Now, for segment number one today, let's just jump right into it. We're talking about Alex Young. This guy was drafted twice. First, he was drafted in 2012 by the Texas Rangers. He was drafted in like the 32nd round, I believe. But he decided to forego that, and uh, he decided to go to college, actually. And then in 2015, three years later, he was drafted by your team, the Arizona Diamondbacks in the second round. So <laughs> he jumped like 30 rounds in the MLB draft, which is pretty crazy. So they took him in the second round. But pl- being in the minors, Alex Young never took over or anything. If you look at his minor league stats, they're not overly impressive or dominant. He wasn't someone that flashed on the radar like a lot of people do. Uh, he, he didn't show anything that made you think he was going to be a top-of-the-line ace or anything. I have a couple of his stats here. He started off really well in the NCAA. He was really good. He had a sub 2.6 ERA. His three seasons at Texas Christian, 2.6 his uh, freshman year, 2.51 sophomore, and then 2.22 his junior uh, junior year, which is probably the biggest reason why he got drafted so high by the D-backs in the second round. But then when he went to the minors, he didn't dominate or anything. He was very good in... Uh, you know, rookie baseball in high A. His ERA was between 3 and 1.5. But when he got promoted to double A and triple A, that's where he really struggled. In triple A, he had a 5.17 ERA. And then another year, he had a 6.09 ERA. So in triple A, he was definitely struggling, uh, struggling a little bit. 2018, 5.17 ERA. 2019, 6.09 ERA. And that was just in the AAA. So it made, made uh, the Dimebacks really question whether they should bring this guy up or not. But eventually they did uh, in the 2019 MLB season because you guys <laughs> saw Alex Young pitch last year. And I guess they really just believed in him. 
regardless of what the stats said. At one point, Alex Young was able to get as high as uh, number three in the in the Arizona Diamondbacks organization in terms of prospect rankings. Uh, but that was a few seasons ago. I think that was back in like 2015 or 2016. So that was when the Arizona Diamondbacks farm system was really weak at the time. It was very thin. It was before all these Goldie and Zach Granke trades. So they hadn't retooled the farm system yet. So number three at that point wasn't too wasn't too meaningful, honestly, because at one point last season before he's brought up, he wasn't even a top 32 prospect in the organization by some people who ranked the Dimebacks uh, farm system. So the fact that he wasn't even top 32 in the D-backs organization, let alone, let's say, top 150 in overall baseball, that lets you know a lot just how, how people viewed Alex Young around MLB baseball, around the Diamond. He wasn't considered this this top prospect, maybe people viewed him as a potential relief guy, you know, more of a six, seven inning kind of guy than a top of the line rotation kind of starter. And he's kind of proven a lot of people wrong so far. It's only been one year. He just, he's only had his rookie season so far, but in that rookie season, he showed a lot in his debut. He only gave a one run, which is pretty phenomenal considering what he was doing in the AAA. And then overall on the season, he was 7-5, 15 games started, a 3-5-6 ERA. And if you guys listened the other day to the podcast, I said like my ERA is under 3-7-5. So a 3-5-6 is amazing. 83 innings pitch and 71 strikeouts. The dude was flat out balling last year. He was pretty good. The only place he really struggled was in, was at uh, Chase Field, honestly. His home road splits are a little concerning. He had a 5.7 ERA at home, 2.37 ERA on the road. So we would love to see him clean up that ERA at home. But if he can stay consistent like down the road, he'll win the D-backs a lot of games this year. And on the season, Alex Young was pretty consistent overall, though. Even though those home road splits tell you something, he was pretty consistent overall. He really only had one bad month. That was the month of August. In that month, I think he had five or six starts, but his ERA was 5.26. Every other month, he was below four. So that just goes to show you how bad of a month of August it was for Alex Young. But overall in the season, you just have to be happy with his development. Uh, He came into the league as just a fastball changeup kind of guy. Or not fastball changeup. Fastball slider kind of guy with a changeup being his third pitch. His fastball is slightly above average, but it's good enough to get hitters out. His slider is what really puts people away. That's really a backdoor slider, sweeping slider. That's his probably most dangerous pitch. His fastball is better for creating ground balls and getting outs that way. And his changeup still needs a lot of work, but... Three pitches right now. Hopefully down the line he'll add another. Maybe a curveball. Maybe a cutter. It really just depends. But so far what we've seen from Alex Young in his young career is uh, pretty impressive. I definitely think he has a chance to be vying for the back of uh, back of the rotation to be that 4-5 or five guy. Because if I had to pick right now, Madison Bumgarner number one, obviously. You guys know I love Zach Gallen, so I'm going to put him in there. I feel like you have to put Luke Weaver just because he was part of the Goldie trade, so that's already three. I think you have to put Robbie Ray just because he's he has some track record of success. Obviously had that great season a couple years ago, and then he could be a potential trade candidate as well, so people are going to need to see how he performs. So that's already four pitchers right there. Then depending if uh, Mike Leake comes back or not, 
That's another guy. I mean, he's expected to be healthy by opening day. And then you got Merrill Kelly, who was a rookie last year, who was pretty solid, up and down, but still solid overall. And then you have Alex Young. So that's eight pitchers right there. That's four starters I already named in Robbie Ray, Madison Bumgarner, Luke Weaver, and Zach Gallen. So now you just have three pitchers fighting for that last rotation spot. And if I had to give it to someone, I would give it to Alex Young. I just like his makeup the best. He's still only 26 years old, so I love a guy with some more potential. I think he still has more time to progress because Mike Leake is already pretty old. He's not that old, but we know what Mike Leake is. Then Merrill Kelly's a 31-year-old sophomore pitcher, so I'd rather go with the uh, the 26-year-old with the fresh arm. Now, as promised, it's time for your guys. Fantasy Minute, sponsored by Lee Kamish. And today's Fantasy Minute is, uh, the the player I'm spotlighting in today's Fantasy Minute is Eduardo Escobar. Now, Eduardo Escobar had a pretty phenomenal season by his standards last year. Batted in that 260 to 270 range. I believe he was an all-star as well. And the thing that made Eduardo Escobar so phenomenal last year was that home run department. He swatted 35 bombs last year, which is hitting it all over Chase Field. And a lot of people think he's uh, prime for regression. They think those home runs are going to start to come down. But I think those people who are saying that to you are wrong or lying or not watching Eduardo Escobar. If you look at his home run department, the last three seasons has consistently gone up every year since his time dating back to Minnesota. I have no reason to believe it won't at least continue in that trend or at least uh, plateau to where he stays the same, still stay in that 25 to 35 home run range. And if you listen to the podcast last week, I actually had Eduardo Escobar, Eduardo Escobar as my player that's going to be representing the Arizona Diamondbacks in the Home Run Derby in 2020. I think I even said he was going to finish like top three, maybe top two. So I definitely think Eduardo Escobar has potential to be uh, another all-star in the 2020 MLB season. Now, that was your Fantasy Minute sponsored by Lee Kamish. You guys are going to want to stay tuned today for a segment number two today because it's theme Thursday, so I'll be addressing your guys' questions and topics that you sent to me via email or Twitter. So you're going to want to stay tuned to Locked On Diamondbacks after this quick message. What are you doing for the game? Whether you're the casual follower, the tweets everything person, the beginner, the diehard, the stat nerd, the smack talker, the appetizer guy, the guy who couldn't care less or that makes everything into a competition person, we all have our place in the sports world. The same personalities apply to fantasy sports. And Lee Commission exists to ensure your fantasy sports experience is the best one for you. We match managers to leagues as we lay the foundation for your new league. It's easy as sign up with your preferences, get matched, and approve of that match before any commitment on your end. Sign up with Lee Commission by February 29th and receive 15% off by entering in the code Locked On in the referred by section of the sign up form. The first 25 people to sign up using our code receive their first match free. So, what are you doing for the game? Find your next fantasy sports league at leaguecommish.com.
Welcome back, everyone. You're listening to the Locked On Diamondbacks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. It's theme Thursdays. Uh, that one I didn't kill, but it's theme Thursdays. So I'll be addressing your guys' questions and topics they sent to me via Twitter, Locked On Diamondbacks, or email LockedOnDiamondbacks at gmail.com. And I'm going to be answering them right now. Number one, who do you think should be starting in the infield? I have to name two of three, Jake Lamb, Eduardo Escobar, and Christian Walker. So who do I think will be starting in the infield out of two of those three guys? I think, unfortunately, Jake Lamb will be the odd man out. He's just been too injury riddled the last couple of seasons. He's entering free agency after this year, so it's not like they have to hold on to him. Uh, really, he needs to play for his own benefit. The only reason the Dimebacks need to play him or would want to play him is if there's an injury or is if they just want to showcase him for the trade deadline. But there's not really an urgency to play Jake Lamb. He's more of a utility guy right now and an insurance policy. And then after the career years that Christian Walker and Eduardo Escobar had last season, I think they're primed to repeat and hold uh, their positions and hold the fort for now. Predict Cattell Marte's numbers. Now, Cattell Marte, I mean, he was a beast last year. It's going to be hard for him to replicate those numbers last season just because they were so phenomenal. On baseball reference here, this is uh, the projections that they have for Cattell Marte. And I'll basically tell you if I agree or disagree with it. So in 572 plate appearances, he had 628 last year. So I guess they're predicting 50 less. So in these 50 less plate appearances, this is what they think Ketel Marte is going to produce in 2020. A 290 batting average. So I'll say that's all right. I'll say he'd be at 295. So I'll say slightly higher. 22 home runs. He swatted 32 last year. So I'm going higher as well. I'll say 27 home runs. 71 ribbies after having 92, I'll say 85 ribbies. So slightly less than we had last year, but still a pretty good number. And they have him smacking 29 doubles after smacking 36 last season. So I actually think that number is going to go up to 40. So in some categories, I think he's going to be better. Like, uh, well, I guess batting average is worse than what he had last year, but better than the projection. So I'll say 295 batting average to sum it all up. 295 batting average. 85 ribbies, 40 uh, doubles, 27 home runs. And if you want to throw another stat in there like OBP, I'll say he'll crack 400 on OBP this year. I think he's just such a stud. I think he's a prime for another MVP kind of season. Now, what's the D-back's biggest weakness? What a question. If I had to say, uh, if I had to put my finger on their biggest weakness, I'd probably have to say it's the back of the bullpen. There's just no one back there that I trust to just come in and shut down a ninth inning if I have two runners on, second and third, one out, and I need to get out this inning. You know, one run lead, I need to get out this inning to win the game. There's no one on the D-backs I have that much confidence in. Archie Bradley might be that guy, but there's no dominant closer on this team. I'll say the back end of their bullpen is the most weakest part of their team. They have a lot of nice middle-of-the-reliever guys, a lot of six, seven inning pitcher guys. 
like a Junior Guerrero who just picked Junior Guerrera who they just picked up this all season. Got Yoan Lopez. I just mentioned Archie Bradley. So they have a nice mixture of bullpen guys. They just have no one that would trust in a big game to put their ball to put the ball in their hands to close it out for me and take it home if it's a one-run lead or something like that, very close game. So if they could clean up the back of their bullpen and maybe get someone dominant, you know, if they could get a Craig Kimbrell or a Roldis Chapman, just someone of that caliber, I think that would be the cherry on top to a pretty good D-backs team. Now, which outfielder will perform the best? Now, this might seem like the cop-out answer or the obvious answer, but I'm going with Starling Marte. He's the only one of the three outfielders in terms of David Peralta and Cole Calhoun, who's a multi-time all-star, multi-time gold glove winner. So this guy just has a pretty nice resume, 25 home runs, 25 stolen bases, 290. He could pretty much do anything you need on the diamond. So if I had to pick an outfielder who I think would have the best season, it's Starling Marte. I think he's just the most versatile well-rounded uh, player, maybe on the Diamondbacks. He could do a lot of things, so he would be my pick for best Diamondback outfielder. Now, last one on this theme Thursday. Who should be the opening day catcher for the Arizona Diamondbacks? I think you have to go with Steven Voigt as the opening day catcher, and it mostly it's mostly just because he was in uh, he was on the San Francisco Giants last season, so so he already has that rapport with Madison Bumgarner. He caught a few of his games last year, so they already know how to work together. That would be a seamless transition. It won't be like if you put uh, Carson Kelly in there to catch Madison Bumgarner, they have to get on the same page, work things out. It'd be a smooth transition if you put Void in. It'll just make everything easier, and I think he just. Makes the most sense if we're talking about an opening day catcher for Madison Bumgarner in his first start, might I add, for the Arizona D-backs. So you definitely want that to go pretty smooth in your first start on a new team, especially one that's a rival. Now, thank you guys for tuning in to today's show. That's all I have for this theme Thursdays. You guys are going to want to come back tomorrow because it's going to be the last show of the week. I know, so sad. But it's Friday, so you guys know what that means. It's going to be Fastball Fridays. So I'll be bringing the heat and letting you guys know my hot topics or my hot takes or controversial opinions that I will have. And I'll be bringing those to you guys tomorrow. Thanks again to everyone that tuned in and listened. And tune back in tomorrow. Peace.